Side Hustle Show 170, Side Hustle Idea Brainstorming, the seven rules of business idea generation, plus live listener Q&A with Don, the idea guy. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where it's all about ideas, action, and results for building job-free income. This episode is an ideas episode to help get your creative juices flowing. In fact, my guest today possesses creative powers beyond those of mere mortals, and that's according to his LinkedIn bio, so it must be true. You're going to hear those creative powers uh, at work in the second half of this episode. Yes, I'm joined by Don, the idea guy. He's a professional brainstorming consultant of sorts, and uh, we're about to dive into his seven rules of side hustle idea generation to turn you into an idea machine. Plus, we're going to put him to the test with a few live listener questions in the second half. We recorded this as a live blab session, which was my first ever. So you may hear us reference that once or twice. And that's how we achieved the live call-in functionality. You can grab a free PDF highlight reel from this conversation at sidehustlenation.com slash dawn slash D-O-N or, or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. And before we dive in, I want to take a minute to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the small business accounting software built specifically for side hustlers and freelancers. I'll be back to tell you a little bit more about FreshBooks along with my top takeaways from this conversation with Dawn after the interview. But you can get started with your free 30-day trial at FreshBooks.com slash side hustle. Ready? Let's do it. So I just got through going through 500 plus survey responses. One of the most common challenges that people named was, hey, I don't have the right idea yet. I'm still looking for that. And so that's what we want to tackle today. And who better than the idea guy himself? So Don, welcome. Thanks, Nick. We are live. So if other people are joining in, we may add them to the conversation. And if they are struggling with coming up with a business idea, we'd love to do some live brainstorming, but you never know. So Don actually has a unique idea generating framework he calls beanstorming. That's kind of where we want to start off. If you're in that position of, hey, I don't know what side hustle to start, maybe we can start to get the creative juices flowing uh, using this framework. I've been doing brainstorming with people for probably two decades. Anything from when I started into a sales project or just doing freelance kind of idea generation for people. And the one thing I noticed after all of the brainstorms, they always seem to take place over coffee. That was the one common denominator. We'd come up with ideas while we were having coffee. After I noticed it, I noticed that it happens more and more. It's the best place to come up with ideas. It might have something to do with the caffeination, but I think it works with decaf as well. And I came up with this term called an idea barista. So you have the guys and gals in the coffee shop that mix your coffee drinks called baristas and they're coffee baristas. I'm an idea barista. I blend coffee and creativity to come up with ideas. And since I was going to be an idea barista, I decided that I should call this process beanstorming because I love a bad pun. And I came up with rules to the beanstorming. You know, just like whenever you go into a brainstorm session, they start out with rules. And one of those rules was, you know, there are no bad ideas. And I never wanted to use that as a rule in my beanstorming because there are not just bad ideas. There are horrible ideas. The rule is you kind of have to wait to the end to go over those. So if you want, I can go over the my seven rules of beanstorming. Yeah, let's hear them. I think it's interesting that you mentioned coffee because this was kind of an anecdotal evidence in a book I read called Jumpstart Your Business Brain, where they you know separate 
different groups and you know they had one group caffeinated and one group not and consistently <laughs> caffeinated group like came up with more ideas and it's like you know this probably isn't the most scientific study in the world but hey maybe there's something uh, maybe there's something to that so yeah let's hear the beanstorming rules i do have to ask about the jumpstart your business brain though is that doug hall i believe so so doug hall has a place called eureka ranch in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I actually trained there. Yeah, he is an incredibly creative guy. He actually came up with something called Brain Brew. For a while, he was roasting his own coffee, and he called it Brain Brew. So yes, okay. firm believer in caffeine as a creative catalyst. Rule one is it takes more than one bean to brew a pot of coffee. And that's kind of where you have the crossover in the there are no bad ideas, because you want to collect as many concepts as possible in the beginning. It doesn't matter if you think it's a good idea or you think it's a bad idea or you think it's a middling idea or something. Hey, this would be a great idea, but I'm not sure if we can get it done. At the start, you're just collecting the beans. You were going to go through a bag of coffee beans and you're only going to roast your pot of coffee using the most perfect beans in that bag. You'd have a hard time getting enough beans together to brew a pot of coffee. So rule one is it takes more than a single bean to brew a pot. What do you mean by that? Yep. So I'm a big list guy. Write them all down. Whiteboard, sticky notes, type them into a document or record them. If you're good at free form kind of brainstorming. When I'm doing brainstorming with somebody, I tell them to get out the recorder because if I have to stop and take notes, I can't write as fast as I talk. So record them in whatever fashion you want, but you want to get down as many concepts as possible. Because once you go back, you'll start building other ideas off of the original idea. The one being that you come up with might not be in the final concept that you decide to activate, but it may lead to that concept. So just collect as many as possible. And this is kind of the James Altucher creative practice, you know, forcing yourself to come up with, you know, just write something down every day. Even if you think it sucks today, you never know, because something is going to find its way to the top. And even on a previous podcast, Travis Marziani kind of mentioned that, hey, I'm trying to come up with e-commerce store ideas. What can I sell? It's like, hey, just write one thing a day. Challenge yourself to come down <laughs> and at the end of the month. Hopefully you have something that might be viable. Yeah, everybody should get in the habit of writing down the ideas. And I think a lot of people come up with concepts and then they think they're going to remember them and they don't. And that leads into one of the other rules. But you need to establish a habit of creativity. And you're right, that was it become an idea machine is a great process to put out there. Just 10 ideas a day on any topic will help you become more creative. <laughs> What's rule number two? Rule two is a personal preference. It's high octane caffeinated brew only. So one, literally when you're drinking the coffee and coming up with ideas, I think you should drink caffeinated coffee. But from the ideation standpoint, come up with the craziest ideas. The bigger, the better. This is the time to figure out how you're going to put them into action or if it's feasible or if you've got a budget for that. Now's the time just to come up with the most insane off-the-wall ideas that you can, those high-octane, highly caffeinated ideas, and then you can rein them in later. But if you start reining yourself in in the beginning, you're not going to have the energy or the excitement to build on those ideas. Keep trying to one-up yourself. Okay, fair enough. So rule three is sit around a coffee table. You need to have a table around you when you're talking to somebody else because beanstorming is best done with two or more people. And you get everybody around a table looking over the table at each other. Kind of think of it as uh, King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table, right? He had all the knights sitting around the table because no one was a leader at the table. You all were equal when you sat at it. So everybody's idea holds equal weight. Anybody's going to be able to come up with a good idea. And your idea might lead somebody else to come up with their favorite idea or your favorite idea. 
but you sit around a table, make it cordial, make it comfortable. Your friends assembling to have a passionate discussion. Okay. I like that, especially for side hustlers. It can be kind of a lonely endeavor and, you know, gathering with a couple other friends who hopefully want to um, accomplish similar goals either locally or hey, you could do a, a live lab session or a Google Hangout with them or a Skype call or, you know, roundtable discussion online as well. It's a brainstorming session and have that feed on each other. To me, that was why I became a fan of the podcast is there were other guys sitting around listening to this. And then you could go on the website and there was a bigger table that you could contribute in the comments section. You just posted about the fact you had somebody approach you because they needed ideas on how to kind of get their entrepreneurial life started with a zero budget. And man, the group rallied together. I participated in that conversation too. And it was a blast just seeing the whole community come together with that. And the fact you assemble them into an article with those tips is that's sitting around a coffee table. Rule four is use a coffee cup. Now, this concept is apparent when you're actually drinking coffee. But to me, this is the metaphor for a notebook. This is where you're going to write the ideas down. You need something to capture your brilliance. So while you're generating those ideas, scribble them in your Moleskine, write them in your Google Doc record them on your iPhone, whatever means you want to use or multiple, you know, some people do sketch notes. I love those, but I could never take the time to sketch note out every idea in real time. It's best to record them and then go back and record them in whatever means is accessible to you. Maybe you want to appoint one person as a note taker, but to me, the easiest thing to do is set your audio recorder on your phone and just record the whole thing. You can go back and write down the ideas secondhand. And when you hear the ideas being generated in real time, you'll be able to write down more ideas that you didn't come up with in the live session. I will say my cups are the notes app just on my phone. I've got a laundry list of different blog post ideas and other ideas in there. And then just a Google Docs, kind of a master sheet. It started out as so-called side hustle article ideas, but it has a lot more than that in there as you know potential guests. It has potential future projects and of course, different post title prompts and stuff that I want to write. Every time I come up with something new, I'll dump it into either of those. That would be my coffee cup. And everybody has their favorite coffee cup, right? You have your travel mug. You have the one at home. You have the nice one that nobody else is allowed to use. The one that has your favorite cartoon character on it. And you might use different cups to capture different types of ideas. So you mentioning the cups that you use, like I use Evernote. I found myself using Slack a lot. I created my private Slack channel. So essentially I'm sending myself a text whenever I've got an idea for one particular project. If it's a larger project, I'll use Evernote. If it's something I know that I'm going to share, it's got a bigger plans connected to it. It may be upgraded to a Google Doc. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of cups and Moleskine's always a favorite. I think that was the first one I started with. The back of napkins, you know, as we do the coffee analogy, there's nothing more creative than an idea that you scribble on the back of a napkin and coffee shops are a great place to do that. Cool. What's, uh, what's your next rule? Rule five is fresh cup, fresh topic. So I can never get out of a Starbucks without one or two refills. So places where you can actually get free refills like a Bob Evans or something is even better in my case. But it's a great place to use as a transition point to build on another idea. We've all been in those meetings where one person kind of takes over the meeting going down one path and they're just beating this thing to death and everybody's sick of talking about it. (laughs) Getting a refill is a perfect segue to go into the next topic. If anybody needs a refill, they get a warm up. you've got permission to change the subject. It also keeps you from dwelling on one topic for too long in the case of an idea that maybe it was a crazy idea you sent out there and people started railing on why it can't be done. 
Because no matter if you set that up in advance that we're not going to do that, somebody will. And then other people begin to pile on. Having that segue to go, okay, fresh cup, we're going on to a fresh topic. Let's talk about something else. And from the good side too, you start falling in love with one idea and building that out too much at this stage, and you're going to miss out on a lot of other ideas that could be generated during that session. Well, where do you draw the line between, hey, this is something that might really have legs and we want to focus on it versus like, let's move on to the next thing and and chase the next idea. I heard a really great writing tip and I wish I could attribute it to the correct person, but I can't. And the writing tip was dealing with writer's block and knowing when to stop writing. So do you write until you're totally burnt out or do you write and then stop when you still have things left to say? And the writer that was giving this tip said they always stopped when they still had something else to say, because now they knew exactly where they were going to pick up next time. So in the case of brainstorming, when you're coming up with these ideas and you know that one is going to build out, you know, this is a good one. You know, you're going to talk more about it. All you have to do is kind of mark it as something to come back to later. Okay. All right. I lost count. How many rules are we up to? We're on six now. So six is coffee breaks have time limits. So just as uh, people in a traditional job have a coffee break, you've got your lunchtime, It's for a finite period of time and you have to come back. Coffee breaks are like that as well. You have your 15 minutes for coffee or your half hour to grab a coffee and get back to work. Beanstorming is like that. Set a fixed period of time. So you know, especially in the case of, hey, how do you know when to stop talking about an idea? You know that you've only got 30 minutes to generate as many ideas as you can. You're less likely to spend 15 minutes just talking about one idea. You can always discuss it at your next beanstorm session. So set a time limit. When you reference the All Toucher book, I always say his name wrong. Uh, when you've referenced Idea Machine, they say it's a good idea to set a time. You know, spend 15 minutes in the morning generating 10 ideas. Your time limit puts more of an impetus behind it. There's more motivation to finish it because you've got a clock running out. I actually have, you won't be able to see it unless you're on the blab, but I actually have a timer, one of those kitchen timers that's shaped like a uh, Starbucks mug. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I can set this like the Pomodoro timers. I can set this and I can actually run my beanstorm sessions off of a timer like this. And there are coffee timers because the best brews have a finite amount of time that you want to let the uh, ground sit or, or drip. So set a time limit. Yeah. And there's a ton of studies that will show that those kind of constraints actually breed creativity where you would think it would kind of be the opposite. One example that comes to mind was actually a guest post that ran on the site last summer where, you know, this woman had kicked around a dozen different business ideas and never really got them off the ground. Finally, it was like, okay, two hours, I'm going to launch something. And she launched this like cleaning service on Craigslist. It wasn't the most glamorous business in the world. But she ran with it and she made a couple grand over the first couple months. Any other constraints that you like other than time? Time is a huge one for me because if I give myself all the time in the world, I will take all the time in the world. One of your guests that I got his book after hearing him on your podcast, I think it's Dan Norris, Seven Day Startup. Seven Day Startup. You got seven days to get a business up and running. I mean, that's awesome. I love that idea. There are 24-hour film festivals where you've got 24 hours to make a movie. You've got the 24-hour comic book day where guys create comic books, complete start to finish. You've got NaNoWriMo. You write a novel in the month of November. Mm -hmm. These time constraints, time and time again, prove that you can generate stuff. You can always go back and expand on it. But if you give yourself that set time frame, you're better off. And I think time frames vary. I might give myself an hour to come up with ideas. When I'm doing the beanstorming with a client, we'll usually schedule it for an hour. I can count on it minimum going to an hour and a half. And usually it'll spread over into two hours. But you're still better off having that core session to know that your job is to come up with as many ideas as you can within this time frame. You don't have to put them into action within that time frame, but you should be able to generate a bunch of ideas, 
rank them as good, better, best, horrible, and know which one you're going to pursue and what your next step is. Okay. Those examples plus like startup weekend or it's like, oh, we're going to launch this thing. That was number six. And number seven is never put an empty coffee pot back on the burner. And this is directly related to the story I was telling you about the author who said, They always get up from the desk when they still have more story to tell. You never want to just, actually, you read Doug Hall's book. So he talks about draining your brain. You know, if you wring every last idea out of your mind, like water out of a dishcloth, you'll feel drained. That session will have been exhausting rather than exhilarating. And the best brainstorm sessions allow you to walk away with more ideas. Like, oh man, I got to get back to my desk and write these down because the session's over, but your brain just got warmed up. So don't burn yourself out in that one session. You, you should always leave off when you've got more to discuss. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, because that would be it's something I've been kind of dealing with a lot lately of having the time or like having a lot more that I want to get done. And, and you're, you are energized to get back to it. But it's also like there's a frustration with that. It's like, I, I just want to go finish. Well, it depends on what you mean by finish. I, I don't think you're ever done coming up with great ideas. So finish to me is the time frame was up. The 30-minute session, the 10-minute session is up. That doesn't mean you're going to stop working on it. doesn't mean you're going to stop thinking about it. The best result is you've got one strong idea that you're going to go away and work on now. So you're just moving on to another phase. If your next phase, you decide you want to have another one of these sessions to come up with more ideas, that's just another session to schedule. I would argue that you never want to keep going until you just deplete your resources. Take a time out at the very least. Take a break. Yeah. Take your coffee break from your coffee break. No, I, I, when you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed gives you that next step. So you don't, when you get back to your computer, you get back to wherever, like, you know what those next actions are going to be versus like kind of starting out and and having to accelerate from zero. So when you're working with clients, do you seed the conversation with any other constraints or like, Hey, we're going to, you know, let's think of a, think of a basketball and a school or something like that to (laughs) get the juices flowing. It's, it's so intimidating to like, I have the whole world out there. What am I, what am I possibly going to do? <laughs> and that's a great way to phrase it. You have the whole world out there. So it's become a cliche when people talk about thinking outside the box. I think the edges of the box actually give you some parameters to think within. And your ideas can be more creative when you have constraints. So if somebody says, like, again, we'll go back to the guy who asked you for advice on how does he get his entrepreneurial life started with no budget. 
you got more creative ideas from the group because of those constraints. People had to come up with ways to start businesses or encourage creativity or encourage entrepreneurial attitude without having resources. When I worked in media, you frequently had advertisers who would never have a budget to do the biggest campaign ever, but they had a budget. You just had to figure out how to do something cool and creative within their means. And everybody has that framework. I mean, nobody's ever going to walk in and go, do whatever you want. Inevitably, you're going to go, well, why don't we do this? And go, oh, no, but not that. Anything you want, except that. There's always going to be a constraint. And finding those walls of the box will help you come up with better ideas and fill that box with better ideas. You also started out your question by kind of asking what was uh, creative fodder to build on. Limitations usually. So you've got what are businesses that you can start for under $20? What are businesses you can start for under $500? You've got those constraints, but then you have the concepts that get you thinking in a direction. And I, based on our conversation so far about beanstorming, I use metaphors a lot. So I might come up with, you know, how is a consulting business like coffee? Or how is a photography business like a pickup truck? And then just, you might start with that. Or how is, give me another side hustle business. Uh, just like a, a freelancing. But like, do you start with people's like skill set? Like here, take an inventory of your skills and then cross-reference that with something random and like try and find the line in between? So usually somebody will have a, a mission they're trying to accomplish, something that stumped them. And it might start out with, I need an idea for a side business to start. Through question and answer, you'll find out that the business they really want to start, is they want to be a writer. So how can they start selling their writing? Okay. And then you come up with avenues for them to explore. You've got your course on selling more books on Amazon. You didn't just come up one day and go, I'm going to come up with an idea for a course on Amazon. You started out probably with, I need a course. What do I build on? Or you started out with your Amazon, how to sell books content and need to come up with other avenues to sell that intellectual property and course was one of them. Right, right. Okay. You could have come up with a video series on Vimeo that you charged, or maybe you were going to start a paid channel on Roku. You know, those are other avenues we could come up with for ways to sell the content you already created. Okay. Oh, I love the repurposing stuff. So I'm thinking of some of the side hustles that I've done. There's maybe a theme of spinoffs or, hey, I'm starting something and then that translates into the next thing. So like I had the shoe business, which started as like a first very limited, like a, you know, text link advertising thing, which, you know, led to the website, which led to a handful of other websites. Like, oh, you know, how can I pivot this vertically or grow this vertically through that ended up hiring virtual staff. And that turned into a whole another side business with self-publishing and like it kind of just snowballs. And, and that's one of the, maybe the common themes is, hey, you know, start something, it doesn't really matter. And then you can go any direction from there. So the, I don't know, it's, it's a challenge to like Matt, uh, Matthew just asked about the shiny object syndrome. Like I've, I've made a whole business off the shiny object syndrome and trying a bunch of different things. <laughs> ask about that. Maybe we'll throw that out to Dawn. Like when you're coming up with all of these ideas, you know, if you come up with 30 different things during that brainstorming session, how do you come up with, okay, this is the one that I want to then validate and then work on after that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I've had to come up with ways to battle that kind of shiny object syndrome myself because I'm idea guy. So I, every day I come up with new ideas and I have to decide I'm not taking a swing at that one. I'm going to give that one away to somebody else. For a while, I used to hoard ideas. I would <laughs> scribble them in my notebook and I wouldn't tell anybody about them. You've had it happen to you. You're watching TV and you see a commercial for something and go, oh, that was mine. I came up with it. But it's, it's written in a notebook from five years ago. You never did anything with it. So at one point, I just started giving them away because I was never going to do anything with them. So when you come up with the concepts, you have to decide how important they are to you 
and how passionate you are about them. So when I look at a list of ideas, part of my criteria is how interested am I really in activating that? And that's why I have to talk to a client about how interested are you in activating this concept? What are your means for putting it into action? Is this an idea that you could build over the weekend? It's no problem. You can get up and run it for 50 bucks. Or is this something where you have to go build technology to make it work? That might be an idea worth pursuing, but it's a longer term pursuit. And there might be some other ideas that you can activate quickly and get some success on whether it's connected to that same concept or not. Yeah, my dad's famous business idea that he never acted on was like the speed controlled uh, radio volume in cars. Like as you speed up, oh, yeah. as the road noise gets louder, the radio volume <laughs> increases. And of course, that's like built into a bunch of different cars now. And he's like, oh, that was mine. The yeah, one I'm, I'm still that guy. I totally turned down. I absolutely turned down the radio whenever. The closer I get to a destination, I have to look for uh, street signs. The radio volume drops. The other one that we had uh, during college, my friend had, you know, when you called him, instead of hearing a dial tone, he had like selected music to play. And so he called, it was called like ringback tones. And he paid like, I don't know, an extra five bucks a month or something to have this service. And so, of course, the marketing brain goes off. It's like, instead of hearing a boring dial tone, what if you could sell advertising on this? And, you know, it could be like geo targeted. You could do all this stuff. And of course, we, never acted on it because like we had no relationships with cell phone providers, like no idea how to make this technology actually happen. And then, you know, years later we revisited it with, you know, some other investor guy and he, you know, was like, I don't know how to get this done either. It still sounds cool, but who knows? So that's a free idea. If somebody wants to build that. For a while, there were cell phone companies that were giving away free service. If you would listen to their ads. Okay. And I can only assume that that happened when you went to place a call that they'd make you listen to an ad before you were able to send it out. I'm not sure how it worked, but yeah. I know for a while it was ad supported mobile stuff. We've got Scott yes. on the line. Welcome. Uh, hi. <laughs> I would feel bad with myself if I didn't participate. I didn't. Well, right. what's, what's your, what's your side hustle, Scott? Where are you, where are you calling it from? Oh, I'm in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> the side hustle that I would say brought me to side hustle nation is I started a beer podcast about a year ago. didn't take it very seriously for about six months and recently put a lot more effort into it. Although I've been a serial side hustler my entire life. I currently work as a DJ. I build websites. I read audiobooks. Now I've done podcasts. I'm a teacher by day. I've worked as a clown and a magician in bands for 15 years. The clown magician band? That yes. is a creative band. Yes. On unicycles and, and all that. No, about that was a joke about them being together, of course. But a man yeah. of many side hustles, dude. That's awesome. All my life, I've been side hustling. It's all I, it's all I do. I suppose I teach and I have a wife and kids. But otherwise. So which one of those do you want ideas for? Well, I'll tell you, the only one right now that's, no, that's not true. The ones that are bringing in money right now are still all the traditional ones. The freelancing, the audiobook is the latest one, and that's that's been going really well. I just accepted a fifth one, so I'm going to be reading a fifth one. But the one that has me perplexed is where is there opportunity to build the podcast? Because it's about beer. It's about Buffalo beer. It's regional, which scares me in the first place. I don't think that should scare you. You said you were a former disc jockey or still a disc jockey? No, continuing. Weddings, on, so mobile DJ, not on the radio. Okay, not, not on the air. Okay. Nope. I have a media background, so I worked on radio for a while. Nice. And I really think, even though you've got a lot of consolidation going on, I really think that that kind of around the block radio, super serve the local is something that the big guys, iHeartRadio is never going to do. They're never going to want to do it. Yeah. So the local guys who can, I've been a huge fan of podcasting from the first time it was the next big thing. And I'm a huge beer and the, I have beer storming and bean storming. So if you want to talk about how to make money off of audio, or if you want to talk about 
uh, revenue generating ideas for your beer podcast, uh, I'm game. You have a preference of one over the other? More revenue generating for the podcast. What's the name of the podcast? Western New York Brews. So when you're doing an episode, are you bringing in the local brewers? Oh, yeah. The in fact, uh, the co-host is a head brewer at one of our local breweries. So I'm the home brewer. He's the pro brewer. When you record, where are you recording? Here in my podcast studio. Okay. So one of the things I would do is start talking to your local bars and pubs mm-hmm. to do on-location live taping of the Western New York Brews podcast and pick up a table inside the bar or a corner of the bar, look at him getting his coffee cup. That's all right. Um, <laughs> get my notes. Now, bars notoriously do not have a ton of marketing money for traditional media. Yeah. They certainly ought to be able to pay you at least with an open bar tab to record your show there and start doing the tour. So you're this week, you're going to be at this That's bar. Next idea. week, you're going to be at another one. Because you've got a live studio audience, you can bring someone up to do a tasting with the brewmasters and you can have them weigh in. Would you buy this beer or not? Okay. Get the bars. Again, once you start demonstrating that you can generate business based on your conversations, talking about the bar you're in, you're promoting it in your social media that you're going to be out there that week. They want those mentions. Now it's not going to be a thousand dollar a week budget, but you might be able to get a hundred bucks a week out of them to start. Yeah. And once you show that you're recording at those locations, the other bars are going to want you to come record at theirs because, well, why are you over there? Come to ours. The other thing you might be able to do is talk to your brewmasters or the their, the sales arm of, of their breweries and ask if there's any sort of bounty they would pay to get in bars they're not currently being served in and go mm-hmm. after those bars first. Because if you can say, I'm recording WNY Brews at joe's pub this weekend and we're going to be talking about the beers from this guy's brewery the natural inclination for the patrons is going to they're going to want to order the beer you're talking about and if that bar doesn't have it there they're missing out on revenue does this all get recorded (laughs) yes we got a recording of this (laughs) (laughs) i got it okay i'm i'm close to this obviously you said at least three things there i'm surprised i have never thought about that's my job they're so close to things I have thought about, but they're not. You know what I mean? You said you're doing the the mobile DJ stuff. Yeah. Are you at any bars? Mostly um, banquet halls. So some of my radio friends do the bar DJing on the side. Well, they'll do like a trivia night or something. Yeah. Don't forget to be your own sponsor. Don't forget when you're at events and it's allowed. I mean, if somebody's hiring you to come in for a wedding, then you don't want to promote your <laughs> beer podcast. But if you're DJing at an event... And especially the low dough ones where, again, I know I have friends in the business and people constantly undercut you because some guy will do it for $5 less. Go, you know what? I'll do it for $5 less, but I want the ability to promote one of my other projects while I'm up there once an hour. This is great. The other thing is if you can get the brewers to pay you a bounty on getting your beer in the different establishments, if you're at these halls, you might have an opportunity to talk to the person who orders the beer for the halls too. Now think about cross promotion. Talk to the bar, uh, the beer uh, manufacture the brewers mm-hmm. to talk about putting a sticker on the cans w- or the bottles when they sell them as heard on WNY brews. So you get some <laughs> cross promotion going. That's not a bad idea. What the similar idea I had was to go to the bars to make it a, a project. Cause we have probably about 15, 20 breweries to make it a year long project for every week to be at a different brewery in the area, mm-hmm. which I said is so close to what you were saying, but then the rest of it, hadn't thought about it at all like bringing somebody else up to taste it why hadn't i thought about that 
so here's something else from a promotional standpoint. I sold uh, imprinted ad specialties for a long time. You know, when you get the pens with your name on it, your company name, that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of the cheapest promotional products out there are imprinted coasters. Coasters. Bar coasters. You could go to some of these breweries and make a deal with them. You're going to print your WNY Brews podcast logo and link on one side of the coaster, and you're going to promote their beer on the other side of the coaster, and you're going to give them away to the bars for free. How much is that worth to them? I like it. Dude, this guy's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're talking... I couldn't have planned this better. You're talking about one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Awesome. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Scott, thank you so much for jumping on. We're gonna I got a couple questions in the chat and feel free to chime in on these yeah. as well. Awesome. Thank Get you. Get back with me offline. Yeah, so Nadia is asking, she says, Hey, I'm a train I'm training to be an editor and would love uh, to brainstorm ideas to kind of pacify that service. How to offer just beyond the one-on-one editing. I'd like to ask you a couple of follow-up questions to it. It's the NA draft person I'm seeing here, right? Yes. Trained to be an editor. I don't know if you specialize in any particular area. Is it book writers, blog writers, columnists? Because they may have some specific needs that you might be able to build on. If you're doing one-on-one editorial services right now, a great question to ask the people currently spending money with you would be, what else do you need help with? Tell me some of the other things that you think that there's a market for with the people you're talking to. And tell me a little bit more about it. And then Nick can narrate your chat. One of the common paths on the side hustle show would be to do the editing work and then you know, also share how you're doing that editing work. One example that comes to mind who hasn't been on the show yet is Caitlin Pyle, who runs a proofreadanywhere.com. She's like a court reporter proofreader and apparently does very, very well with that and has now turned that into a side business teaching other people how to do you know, what she's doing. And so that's one route to go that's really common. But I like the idea of kind of expanding that service horizontally as well, saying, what else do you need? The other side of the path is like, hey, if you serve one particular audience, you can start to build productized type of service with maybe you have enough margin to hire people underneath you to do the work or even start to build some some software that may be uh, applicable across the board. That's kind of where I was going with the who you're working with now, because I would imagine editing for a news media type site would be very different than editing a fantasy or science fiction book. So there, there might be a way to specialize in one area or the other with the unique needs of those individual kind of themes or to expand beyond that. So if you're doing a lot of a nonprofits, all right, so she, she writes back saying, I'm planning to target nonprofits primarily. I'm sure that they can use editing, 
I'm not sure that that's the best place to go for revenue generating pieces, but it's a great place to get a lot of practice. I know that on LinkedIn, I frequently see nonprofits asking for volunteers to help with article writing, newsletter publication, that kind of thing. That would be a natural niche for an editor to go down is is to write content. Managing people's newsletters would be huge. I do uh, content marketing for a retail fixtures company. So this is a company that sells shelving and shopping carts to a variety of different retail stores. So my radar's up for retail industry news right now. And retailwire.com just published an article about how consumers love email newsletters, but every retail store that's out there is doing it wrong. So I would think that that is a specific industry that could really use the help of an editor and a writer. You know, you might want to think about offering newsletter creation, content creation, production, and mailing services. You could set up a MailChimp account or a Constant Contact account. Nick, is any email companies a sponsor? Sponsored by Aweber. Great. You could set those up in your client's name as an admin, plan all the things out and mail it for them on a regular basis and probably charge a hefty fee for doing that. Once that got beyond your personal capability, like Nick suggested, hire some other people to help send that kind of content out. Probably find a lot of folks on Fiverr that would be willing to press send on an email. Still a service-based thing, but you're kind of moving up the chain of command instead of, you know, it's it's more, here's the deliverable versus like, I'm going to edit for 10 hours for you or, or whatever. The, the value, instead of impacting one article, you're really talking about impacting hundreds or thousands of people on an email list right. uh, and able to drive results from it because your writing and your editing could have specifically led to, at least you'll be able to cr- claim credit for it, led to the response that they're taking. Matthew says, I run a digital agency. I want to niche down. How do I go about picking a niche to go into? Matthew, if you want to jump on the old um, the open seat, we would be happy to chat with you as well. But how would you go about picking a niche to go into? So I think that's a great plan because there are so many digital agencies out there and everybody seems to be starting one. My question would be, who are you specializing in now? You know, which clients are spending the most amount of money with you and which clients are you getting the best results for? Now, those may be two completely different kinds of clients. Another question would be, which clients do you like working with the best? I know that a lot of times my favorite client might not be my most profitable one because they get treated a lot better. Oh, good. Matthew's coming into the session here. Hey there. So did you hear my question? Who who are you working with now? There's no specific industry that I'm working with. As of now, I've, I've done about 20 clients probably, and they've been across the board, just who I can get an Upwork. There's, there's not really uh, something I've focused down on. So, so of those clients, which category was your favorite to work with? And name some of the other kind of industries that you're, you're talking about? I've done a lot of health and wellness. I don't mind that. I like technology. I created a social media management company or I did their website. That was interesting. Like I like digital stuff. Authors, I've done some work for authors and a plumbing company. I guess. Okay. So you mentioned a category that I'm fond of and that's authors and speakers. And I've got this theory of picks and shovels. So during the California gold rush, more millionaires were made by the hardware stores selling picks and shovels to the people that were digging for gold in them, our hills, than I think ever came out of the hills with gold. So authors and speakers love to spend money on promoting themselves. And they're all competing with each other and they all get together and they lie about how much each of them charges for a speaking gig. 
and they all try and outdo one another with their promotional pieces, and they all love social media, but none of them market themselves very well on social media. Certainly none of them do paid marketing very well. So I think if you came up with a, and these are two different niches, if you came up with a author marketing package and a speaker marketing package and name them after the speaker and author, do you know who uh, Jim Kukrell is? No. So Jim Kukrell Jim, is- sorry, what's uh, his last name? Kukrell? K-U-K-R-A-L. Go to jimkukrell.com. Jim's been a longtime internet marketer. He's a buddy of mine who lives in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm in Columbus. And Jim has come up with tons of online marketing ideas. The latest one that really clicked for him was not a general online marketing company. It is authorsmarketingclub.com. And authorsmarketingclub.com led to an authorpreneur podcast that's produced by Rainmaker. It has led to an authorpreneur event called in Cleveland. So you can build out on these pieces, but just putting it together as a package and naming it something original, not AI sell online advertising. And I do it for anybody, but I do online advertising and I specialize in speakers and authors. And here, here's why I make more sense for a speaker because I'm hitting the places where the meeting planners are, or you're specializing in targeting the convention, Facebook pages, that kind of thing. But you know your business better than I do. You'd want to yeah. take what you do, distill it. Like if somebody was going to come on, if, if a speaker was going to hire you, what's the best plan you would put together? Package it and name it and then promote it to the speakers. And if you're a wizard with online marketing, you know they all have a Facebook page. You'll be able to send an ad right to them. For sure. The reason why I wanted to do this was because I was only doing one-off projects and I want to transition to a more productized service where I'm creating recurring revenue monthly. So I was thinking if I could specialize, I could do SEO services and ads monthly. Mm -hmm. So I thought one way to do this, instead of offering ads, the services to everyone, I would niche down. One more thing, so I get it out of my brain. Check into your local chapter of the NSA, the National Speakers Association. The local chapters usually have something around the springtime, so it should be coming up soon. And they probably have another one in the fall where they basically do a small trade show at one of their meetings. So they meet once a month, I think, maybe twice a month in the different cities. And you'll have a local club that might have 50 to 100 members. And for one of those meetings during the breaks, it's a day-long meeting on a weekend, like a Saturday or Sunday, usually at a, at a hotel or something. They have vendors come in and you can set up around the area like a trade show and have a table where you promote your services. And it was really affordable for the one in Columbus and talk about those services because give them something great as a takeaway, sign them up to attend a live blab. All the speakers are just starting to discover blab now. That's really good advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that. And feel free to connect with me offline too. Yeah. I just uh, followed you on Twitter. Uh, Just one quick question. Was there a specific market other than authors and speakers? I just don't know too much about that, that you would recommend just off the top of your head. What are your hobbies? What are you interested in? See, I've gone that route and I don't think they're, I don't know. I don't think they, uh, that no one makes money. I like uh, art. I like traveling. I like technology and international business and international politics. So you mentioned art and traveling were the first two I heard. Yeah. Art as in you create art yourself? Yeah. Where are you from? Toronto, Canada. All right. So I'm going to guess that once a year, twice a year, you've got an art festival, right? Yeah. So a bunch of people paid 
to have a booth at that art festival. So they've got a marketing and promotion budget because they spent it for 1200 bucks to have that tent set up where they can sell their paintings, right? Or their jewelry. Their need to sell their product doesn't end with that festival. So you could just take the afternoon, walk around the festival, pick up cards, and then contact them after the festival. You're going to have a hard time talking to them right there because they're busy. Yeah. But you can pick up cards. They have lots of promotional pieces and talk to them about how to market your art on Facebook, how to sell more art on Facebook. Facebook's what, uh, six months away from putting a buy button in their messenger? Every one of those artists is telling a patron that stops by their booth to follow them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and like them on Pinterest, right? You're coming up with a better plan. Rather than hoping they buy, you can put together a strategy that will encourage them to buy and market back to them over and over again. That, that helps. Thank you very much. And then from the travel side, you know, reach out to some hotels. You know, you've, you've got hotels who are spending money online. Go to Google, type in hotel deals in wherever it is that you like to travel best and see who bought Google AdWords. They've got a budget. Reach out to them and say, I've got an idea on how to actually target people on Facebook for uh, people who travel to your area most. You know how to target the people on Facebook better than I do. You can drill down to where they posted their last vacation pictures from, right? Maybe you go on, find out where the most audience is, like Hawaii, let's say, and put together the Hawaii tourism package and market it to anybody who's trying to get people to stay at their hotels in Hawaii. You've already assembled the audience. Now you've got a way to market. It's turnkey. Rather than them going to somebody and saying, well, I've got a guy who can do that for me. Go, yeah, but I've done the research. I've got it right here. I can get it up and running for you in a day versus your agency that's going to have to spend a week researching it. Yeah, I was thinking also like uh, plumbing industry. My dad's a plumber. So I was thinking maybe a lot of those companies are starting to get websites now and uh, maybe go into something like that. Has done really well for uh, Sean Marshall, who's a previous guest on the show. So there's definitely, and he's selling, like you said, the recurring monthly marketing packages. Yeah, I would make the list though of the ones that you know there's money and the ones that you're just simply passionate about and the ones that you know more about or have more experience with. So you may have done more plumbing campaigns, but it's not really a marketing campaign that excites you, but you know it really well. You're, you're the subject matter mm-hmm. expert on it. You're the authority. You got to be able to put together a package like that. Then you go after for the sure. one where you know you have a love for it, like the art or the travel. And then there's the market that I don't think really has been tapped. And that is speakers and writers really are still doing the, the free social media marketing and none of them have few of them have really drilled down into paid campaigns. And if you can get in there and one of them sees one of their competitors getting results from it, they start piling on. Perfect. Yeah. I just wrote that all down. Thank you very much. Thanks, good very helpful. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, thank, good you luck. thank you. Well, Don, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me and everybody else who has been watching. Let's give Don some props here in the corner. We can uh, click the button to give him a, a <laughs> high five, I guess. That's how Blab works. Don, where can yeah, people find out more about you and connect with? If you go to Google and type in Don the Idea Guy, you'll pretty much find every place I am. I'm at DonTheIdeaGuy.com and pretty much any of the social media networks, I'm there as Don the Idea Guy. Did you prepare a number one tip or am I going to put you on the spot? No, go ahead. Ask me. What's my number one tip for, for creativity? Nation. Let's do it. Drink more coffee <laughs> is the one, but that you should know that. But the other is write down the ideas. So many people, me included, you end up convincing yourself that, oh yeah, I'll remember that. It's such a good idea. There's no way I'm going to forget it. Keep your voice recorder app handy. Keep a post-it note and a marker next to the bed. Keep a whiteboard around. Call yourself and leave a voicemail. 
Do not forget to write down that idea or you will forget that idea. Sounds like a winner, man. Don, the idea guy, thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Nick. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Once you decide on a side hustle idea, the next step is validation. And you know what separates the amateur from the professional? The professional gets paid. I'm using FreshBooks.com to send professional-looking invoices for my freelance work, and it allows clients to pay with either a credit card or with PayPal. Trusted by thousands of side hustlers, freelancers, and entrepreneurs like you, FreshBooks is a super simple cloud accounting service designed to save you time and get you paid faster. In addition to invoicing clients like a boss, you can also use FreshBooks to organize expenses and track your time to give you a clearer picture of your overall profitability. If you have any questions, you can always count on FreshBooks' award-winning support team to go above and beyond whenever you need a hand. To try FreshBooks completely free for 30 days, just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle or enter in the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for your free 30-day trial. All right, my biggest takeaways from this conversation with Don, the idea guy, is, you know, number one, I think creating an idea bank has been one of my most helpful habits. Like I said, it's, it's nothing fancy. It's just a Google Doc when I'm at my computer and a notes file on my phone when I'm away from the office. And, and I can't even say that all the ideas are great or even that they'll all get acted on eventually, but just having that list to choose from and kind of adding to it on a daily or weekly basis just as things come into my mind, it it kind of lets me use Don's uh, shiny object busting criteria of, hey, what am I most likely to actually execute on given my current resources? And what am I most likely to see results from? So I want to say just a big thank you to Don the Idea Guy for spending some time uh, with me and with Side Hustle Nation during that fun live blab session. We may do a little bit more on that platform uh, in the future. It's pretty fun. Uh, so you can follow me at blab.im, B-L-A-B.im, slash N-L-O-P-E-R. Uh, or better yet, jump in the free Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. That's how we advertised uh, this one. That's how people found out about it. It's sidehustlenation.com slash FB, uh, and that'll redirect you uh, over there, and you can request to join the group, and I'll approve you right away. And a big thanks to uh, Scott and Matthew for being brave and jumping on the live call as well. And a big thanks to you for tuning in and exercising your creative muscles a little bit. If you'd be interested in a virtual uh, group coffee table idea brainstorming session, I'll leave a comment on this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash Don, uh, D-O-N. And if there's enough interest, we'll see if we can put something together there. Uh, while you're at that uh, show notes page, sidehustlenation.com slash Don, you can also uh, grab a free PDF highlight reel from this conversation. And until next time, Let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.